You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Awesome. How we doing? Awesome. Well, I have one more quick announcement that we're going to do. Um, winter retreat's coming up for our youth ministry. We got... Um, eight kids going this year. It's going to be awesome. We pile into a van and we drive up to kind of central Georgia-ish and um, Covington, Georgia, and we stay at the FFA camp. Oh yeah, top level accommodations. Um, Actually, they've gotten a lot better, but um, we are headed up there with our youth kids and leaders. We got about 12 of us going. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we do need to rent a van. Everybody say, yay! Yay! Awesome. Also, you guys are throwing me off. Everybody's sitting on the edge. Nobody's sitting in the middle. So um, are you afraid of the air conditioning? Is that what this is? <laughs> um, we're, we're going up there and we're going to get a van. And so the van's going to cost us around 600 bucks to get everybody up there safely. And um, I know rental companies, right? They really stick it to you. But we would love to give you guys the opportunity to sew into that for us and um, help these kids go. We try to keep the cost as low as possible to, um, to, to enable more kids to go. Right. And so if, um, if you guys can, we got a slide that you can put up there for text to give, we make it easy for you. It's under the announcement section on, on your, on your flow over there. And, um, it's coming. Give it up for our tech guys. They're amazing. That was not enough. This is one thing I'm going to make you like, give it up for them. There it is. And so that's the number you can text to if you've never done it before. If you have, it's easy. Just put in the amount that you want and type youth after it and bam, it's there. And then um, we can have a van for our kids to go in, which would be awesome, right? And you can also write a check and just put youth in the memo or um, cash in an envelope and write youth. So thank you. And um, we leave on Valentine's Day. Aww. Right? Um, We're going to go love on Jesus. And uh, so, yeah, awesome. Well, transition now. Now we're going to get into what I'm talking about. So um, let me take my announcement hat off, put it over there. And I don't have another hat, so we'll just go with this now. So awesome. How many of you were here last week? How many of you went through the river? It's amazing, right? Did you feel something from that? Was God like breaking through encounters and everything? Did he speak something to you in a still small voice even? Yeah, that's why we do that. It's not to be like, oh, look, we're weird. Walk under our river. No, it's to encounter the presence of God. I know Andrew said this last week, but we didn't walk on top of it, right? Because then we're still in control. So often people are like, I want to walk on water like Jesus did, but I personally want to be submerged in the river that he has. I don't need to be walking on top of it. I want to be down in it to where he's got me and wherever he's going, I'm going. That's why we held it up and that's why you walked underneath it so that you could encounter his presence and feel him. But it's not you, it's him. And he's taking you where he wants you to go. And so with that, God really highlighted to me um, a passage or two in scripture that I want to walk through this morning. And if you're good with that, you can open up your Bibles, flip to John chapter four and um, or your phones. I know I still I, I actually have it written out on my notes in here, but I still have my paper Bible with me. Right. Because there's nothing better, in my opinion, most of the time. Um, 
if I'm sitting somewhere where paper is not conducive, I can use something that, that, that else. But anyways, um, I want to talk about that. John chapter four, if you're there, I want to start off with, um, with, with kind of highlighting several different aspects that we see through John in regards to one thing, a guy by the name of Campbell Morgan, you know, he, he came up with this thing that I think is quite profound, and I don't know how he discovered it or how he came up with it because it's just honestly mind-blowing and essential to life. Are you ready for this? Mankind needs air, water, and food in order to live. Wow. That's crazy, right? Mind-blowing. I set you up for that one and then just... I know that was intentional. And so, yeah, that's so essential and so true. Man, we require food, water, and air in order to live, right? How long can you go without eating? (laughs) Okay, physically, how long can you go without eating before you physically die? Not a few hours. What's that? It's like 30 to 40 days, right? 30 to 40 days with no food, and you're probably not going to make it, right? Because our bodies require that. Our bodies need that, right? How long can you go without air? Me personally, it's not that long. Some people can go like five minutes, but I, I, I don't know that number to be true. I've just watched people dive underwater and they go way down and come way up without air. It's a thing. I don't know why. They like to see how far can I go underwater with holding my breath? Let me cheat death. Anyways, um, you can go hardly any time without air. What about water? How long can you live without fluid intake? Two to three days, right? And so you can see all of these things that, that Mr. Campbell Morgan came up with are quite essential to life. Another one that we're going to throw in there is light. Why? Because everything outside requires it. If we don't have it, we might go insane, but everything outside requires light. So we're going to throw that in there as well. And so in the book of John, Jesus reveals himself to us in four different ways. In John chapter 3 and chapter 20, he is the breath of life, the spirit of God, right? So he's stepping in and he says, okay, I know one of the most essential things for these people to live and for me to currently live is to be the breath of of life. And so Jesus comes to us and he goes, Hey, I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to meet you in the essentials. I'm going to meet you at the things that you need. I'm going to speak to those things to help you people understand who I am and what I represent. Cause at the time, not everybody knew most people didn't. They were quite skeptical of Jesus, right? We get the benefit of living 2000 years later when we know a whole lot more about him. In John chapter the six. I am the bread of life. Isn't that awesome? He is the food that which we consume. Again, he's speaking to us and meeting those specific personal needs that we have in order to live and in order to survive. John chapter one, he is the light of life. He's the light of life. So you can see Jesus is meeting us in everything that we need. He's speaking to the people when he's going around and he's telling them, hey, you know that thing you need every time you do this? Yeah, that's me too. I provide that for you. The bread, the light. And then in John chapter four, Jesus is the water of life. 
He is everything that we need in that realm, in that arena, in order to live. And so here's the thing. You can be sitting there and you're like, well, Andy, yes, but I can actually go outside or I can sit in here and breathe in air. I have a bottle of water here. So what are you talking about? There's a difference between living and living, right? You can be alive and physically living. Your heart's beating, your mind works, all your organs are functioning, but you can be dead inside. But what Jesus is referring to here is he's saying, I'm going to bring life into you. I'm going to bring hope into you. I'm going to bring future into you. I'm going to bring your destiny into you. I'm going to bring you out of depression. I'm going to bring you out of shame because I am bringing these things into you. And I am showing up for you. And we get to study that and we get to look at it and we get to receive it. John chapter four, verse four, actually, I told them five, but um, I'll get to five in just a moment. And so Jesus is, he's leaving where he is and going somewhere else. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of uh, a town in Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from his long journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So if you think about going somewhere nowadays, how do you think about getting there? You're going to drive, right? Blake, who, who leads worship here, he drove all the way to Colorado, and I said, don't you know they have airplanes? You think about these things as a long ways, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm not going to drive that. I'm going to fly there. Or, or I'm going to go on a boat there. That's not as much fun sometimes. It's um, a different story for a different day. But we have these different modes of transportation now. So when we read these things, we don't always fully understand and grasp. But Jesus had to walk a 22-hour journey to get from where he was to where he was going. That's a long ways, Right? And Jesus didn't come down here as God in man. He came down here as man, correct? So if you were to go out and walk for 22 hours, how would you feel? Tired and angry, and I probably would be stuck at mile 10. Just saying. A couple months ago, I had a friend. He's a pastor at a church in Waycross, Georgia. They're doing incredible things, incredible things. Their church is, it's called Destination Church, but they had a vision that they were going to provide food for the six counties surrounding them and everyone that needed it. And man, they have been going after that for years. That's their vision. Everyone counts. They're going after it and they are doing it. They are transforming the region in South Georgia. I think one of those counties is called Bacon. Who knew bacon could be transformed, right? But they're transforming this area because they're going after what they want. But he's also crazy. He loves to run a long ways. How many of you have ever driven from Jacksonville to Daytona Beach? Driven, like not on 95, let's say A1A or US1. It's a long race, right? It can take you a little while to get there. He ran there. He ran there. It took him 26 hours, something dumb like that. And I saw him later. I'm like, why did you do that? And he, just to say you did it. And he goes, I love it. I'm going to do it again. 
I think I've learned some things, right? But he did this, this 24-hour, 26-hour journey. Now he was running, so it was a little different because he was going a little bit faster. But he gets there, and his leg is swollen, right? His left knee is massive. His ankles are swollen. His legs swollen. His lips are swollen. His body's just like, what are you doing to me? Right? And again, he ran, but Jesus had a 22-hour journey that he went on walking, right? And I'm sure he stopped. I'm sure he didn't go straight through. But he was tired when he got there. So he was sitting there, right? Because he's tired. And so when you read that, and when you read Jesus was wearied, it's because he was. I feel like so often we can look over those things in Scripture. You can look over the fact that Jesus was tired. Jesus was tired when he was sitting there. He's not like, you know, Iron Man or someone like that. It's just like, or Captain America. It's like, oh, yeah, I've just walked 22 hours. I feel great. I'm ready to go 22 more, right? No, he was tired. He was sitting there. And I'm going to take a quick, um, a quick side note. And, and this is not a bunny trail because I put it in my notes. So there you go. You can't say it's a bunny note. It's a side note, cliff note, something different. But do you know the average speed at which someone walks? 3.1 miles per hour. Do you know how fast Jesus did his ministry and how fast he lived his life? 3.1 miles per hour. That was as fast as he could go. How many of us are living at 20 miles an hour? 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. I've said to so many people, how are you feeling? I feel great, but I feel like I'm going 100 miles an hour right now. Jesus went 3.1 and he set up and changed the world. So I'll leave you with that. And so Jesus comes to the well, right? Yes, that's the answer. Thank you. Um, Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to find it back here. Yeah, so a woman, verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Pause. A woman comes to draw water at a well. Does that seem mind-blowing? Not really, no. Right? Someone came to the well to draw water. That's how they did it those days. No running water, no plumbing. So she shows up with a pail, a bucket, whatever, and she's going to get water out of this well so that she has water, right? But again, some things that we miss in context is the fact that when you think about it, she had to come herself, which meant what? She didn't have people doing it for her, right? So she comes herself. She would be considered not able to have people do it for herself, whatever title you want to put on that. (laughs) And so she shows up there and Jesus looks at her and he says, in verse eight, give me a drink. I'm sorry, it's still in verse seven. Give me a drink. Give me a drink. You see, what we see beginning to happen here is a clash of two cultures. And it goes on in verse, um, verse eight. I think verse eight, let's see where we are. Yeah, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy more food. And the Samaritan woman in verse 9 said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink of water from me, a Samaritan woman? And then parentheses, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So what we see here is a clash of cultures, right? Why did they not like each other? The Jews look at the Samaritans as less, you know Why? Because the Samaritans were part Jew and part Gentile, and they couldn't trace back and track their genealogy. And for that, the Jews looked down on them. And so, 
not only is that part kind of throwing everything up in the air, right? Not only is this fact that you have a Jew asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water, you have a man asking a woman for a drink of water. Considered very inappropriate at the time, right? Very inappropriate to approach the woman and say, may I have a drink of water? But does Jesus care? Nope. (laughs) Thank you, Mindy. And so, (laughs) but not only that, the fact that he was a man, but also the fact that he was a rabbi. So Jesus is breaking the cultural norms to meet this woman where she's at, to meet her where she's at, to meet her at the place of the well. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. Verse 10, Jesus answered her and he said, I knew the gift of God and who it is that, um, sorry, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him in verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Jesus is going, I got you. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and he drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I'll not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. So what we see happening here is the woman was ignorant of three things when she shows up. The first thing that she was ignorant of, of who he was. We don't blame her. She wouldn't have known, right? But she didn't know who Jesus was. And so like in verse nine, where it says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink of water from me, a Samaritan woman? It's because she didn't know who he was, right? She didn't know this man is the man that's gonna shift the, 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 the landscape of the world when it comes to cultures and how they relate to each other. She doesn't know this is the man that can change my life in this moment, Right? The next thing that she didn't know was what he had to offer. Because she looks at him in the natural and says, you want water, but you have, no, no. You have water to give me, but you have nothing to draw water with. Where did you come up with this water? Right? I mean, when you read the Bible, think of it as people interacting, right? Not words on a page. Because if you put yourself in that picture and in that moment, it's like, This would have been a little strange, right? First of all, she would have probably been approaching the well like this. You know? Who's this tired man sitting on the edge of the well? Who would do that? You could fall in, right? And so not only that, but she's sitting there and she's saying, but how do you have any water to give me? You have nothing to do. You have nothing to draw that water up with. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The third thing, she didn't know how she could receive it, right? How do I receive this living water? And this is where it talks about the well is too deep. You have nothing to gain access to the water with. But Jesus takes a moment and he looks back at her and he says, you know what? 
the water that you come to drink here, you come all the time. You're going to drink this water and you're going to be thirsty again. You're going to have to come back, right? But if the water that I have to give you, if you allow me to give you this living water, you will never be thirsty again. So naturally, this woman's tired of walking, right? That's a long ways for a lot of people. It's a long ways to walk to the well with the big pots and the different stuff that you have to bring the water back with so that you can do basic things around the house. And now he's meeting that need for her and saying, not only am I going to give you water, but I'm going to give you water that's never going to make you thirst again. And in fact, I don't actually have anything physically I'm going to give you. (laughs) And the woman has a choice in that time where she can sit back and say, what exactly do I want to do here? What do I want to do? And we know the story. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I'll never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. I think something that was important to note is that it didn't say the woman would never have to drink again. It said she'd never be thirsty again. You see, a lot of times when we come to Jesus, when we seek him, when we go after him and when we're going after what he has for us and what we desire and what we want, we get it and we're like, thank you, Jesus, that was great. And we don't go back until we need something else, right? But what we're called to do is to continually drink of him because he doesn't tell us not to drink anymore, right? He doesn't tell us, don't come to me. Don't get everything that I have. He says, you won't be thirsty anymore. But he says, come to me for a continual infilling of what I have to offer you. And then out of you will flow a wellspring of living waters. Out of you will flow life. You see, the woman showed up at the well because she was thirsty, because she needed water. She didn't show up there for any other reason. It wasn't, I think I'm going to go to the well today and encounter a man. And this man is going to change my life forever. No, she went there because she was thirsty. She went there because she had a need. And what did Jesus do? He met her where she was. How often are we coming to Jesus thirsty? How often are we coming to him with that need to be in his presence, with the need to know him, with the need to know him better, to fill him, fill, feel him, fill us? Because that's the point that we get to when it's like, okay, something's beginning to shift. Something's beginning to change. Because now I'm approaching him with the attitude of, I want to receive I'm approaching him with the attitude of, I am thirsty for more of your presence, Jesus. I know you said I'd never thirst again, but I am thirsty for you. I want what you have. I'm not having to go after trying to fill myself up in every way, but rather I'm coming after you. I'm coming after everything that you have to do. And so we find ourselves in lives, in lives, yes, but in times in our lives when we're going after different stuff, right? How many of you have ever, I'm going to use the metaphor here. We're going to stick with the, the beverage metaphor, the, the water. But in, in, in talking about that, how many of you have gone to other sources before to try to be filled? Just about all of us, right? Because Jesus says, come to me and I will be your living water. And the world says, come to us, we'll give you water. And all they give us is a vinegar soaked sponge. That's all they give us. 
And what does that leave you? Worse off than you were before, right? I hate vinegar, unless it's on chips with salt. It's the only way I like vinegar. I don't like the way it smells. I don't like the way it tastes. If it's mixed up enough in something that I can't find it anymore, then I'm good. But that's what the world has to offer us. Jesus, in this moment, he's saying, yeah, you can get this water. It's going to be good for you. I gave you, basically, you know, we gave, me and him, we gave you this a long time ago. But what I have to give you is so much better. And so where are we going to find the sources of satisfaction? Where are we going to meet the needs that we have? I'm talking about emotional needs. I'm talking about physical needs. I'm talking about spiritual needs, right? You know why people join a gang? They find a family. They don't wake up one day and go, I think I want to be a gangbanger today. I'm going to hit the streets. No, someone finds them and says, hey, come with us. We'll take care of you. Right? A need is being met in an illegitimate way. But when we approach God and we say, God, I'm really struggling here. I'm really struggling with this. Then he steps in and he gives us that living water. In the world, all they're going to give you is the vinegar-soaked sponge that's going to leave you worse off than you were before. In Psalms, there's a scripture that we all know, and it's really good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. I love this verse. I always have. There's been a lot of songs written around it, right? Oh, taste and see. No, not doing it. I've only done that once, and I'm not doing it again. Um, Danielle's not here. Otherwise, I would sing to her. But, oh, that was the proper response. Um, No, that's okay. She has to be physically present. Um, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? How many of you say he's good? Right? That's a core belief of this house. God is good. No matter what, that's what we go after. It's one of our core values. But if you never tasted and you never saw, you wouldn't know that. You see, this verse has two action steps with the promise at the end. You have to come and you have to taste of him. You have to taste of what he has. You have to taste the presence. You have to taste the goodness. You have to taste of the love that Jesus has for you. And then from that tasting moment, then you begin to see, right? And then you begin to see. And so many people are like, sometimes I just don't know what to do. I'm scared. You already know the outcome. The Lord is good. It just requires us tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. That's it. And so when we see that and we begin to realize, okay, this whole concept that Jesus is presenting to us, he's the bread of life. He's the air of the air of life, the air of life. He's the breath of life. He's the bread of life. <laughs> I like air. That's good too. The air of life. It's different than what comes in, but anyways, um, he's the breath of life. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the light of life. He's saying, I'm coming. Now you just have to partake. You get to partake in this. And it's not setting you up like, oh, here's all these things you must do in order to know me. No, he's saying, come to me. Come to me and learn. Come to me and know. We have those two different action steps that we find in that verse, right? Where we, um, like I said, tasting and seeing. And then we see the promise at the end of that, that the Lord is good. 
In fact, I'm going to read that entire scripture over you because I absolutely love it. And I think it's really, 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 really good. Are you guys good with that? It's going to be a minute. Are you all right with that? Because it's a little long, but I think it's powerful. I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation because I love, love, love the way that it's read from there, and I love the power that comes with it. So I'm going to ask you to do is close your eyes. Posture yourself in the position to receive And then we're going to read it. I'm going to read it over you. And you're going to receive all that the Lord has for you while I'm reading this. You guys ready? All right. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. We're gonna pause right there for just a second because the Lord is bigger than your fears. The Lord is bigger than your shame. And he comes at that right here. And he comes right out the gate. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress and he answered me and he freed me from all of my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his. And joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing, desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me, bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Worship in awe and wonder, all all you who've been made holy. For all who fear him will feast with plenty. Even the strong and wealthy grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Come, children of God, and listen to me. I'll share the lesson I've learned of fearing the Lord. Do you want to live a long, good life, enjoying the beauty that fills each day? Then never speak a lie or allow wicked words to come from your mouth. Keep turning your back on every sin and make peace your life motto. Practice being at peace with everyone. The Lord sees all that we do. He watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. But the Lord has made up his mind to oppose evildoers and to wipe them out, even the memory of them from the face of the earth. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, 
the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. The Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. Not one bone will be broken. But the wicked commit slow suicide for they hate and persecute the lovers of God. May no, make no mistake about it. God will hold them guilty and punish them, and they will play in plenty. But the Lord has paid for the freedom of his servants, and he will freely pardon those who love him. He will declare them free and innocent, and when they turn to hide themselves in him. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I think that we have some people in the room who deal with shame. And when I was reading this over this week, um, I did that. I just opened it up and read the whole thing because I'm like, God, what do you have in this? What's here? And the way the Passion Translation words this, Psalm 34, 5, gaze upon him, join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory, and you'll never wear that shame face again. So I think the Lord wants to break some shame off of some people this morning. And we've been going after this. Danger's been going after freedom. He's been going after going all this stuff. And I just want to make sure there's no one in the room who still says, yeah, I got a little bit of shame left in me. Because shame is a big fat liar that's trying to destroy you and keep you from your destiny, keep you from your promises and keep you from your future with him. How do you want to do that, Andy? I think I just want to ask, if you're struggling with shame, can you stick your hand up in the air? It's a good way to break shame, right? Those of you that are around them, keep your hands up. I want you to lay hands on them. You don't necessarily even have to pray anything out loud. We're going to lay our hands on you in support of you. Once you got people with the hands on you, you can put your hands down. And here's those of you that raised your hands. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In this moment, right now, gaze upon him. Join your life with his. And then the joy will come. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his. Gaze upon him and join your life with his. Yeah, Jesus, right now we just break shame in Jesus' name. We break shame in Jesus' name. Shackles of shame, you have no place here. 
You have no more authority to weigh people down. You have no more authority to hold people back from what you have. Jesus, we just come right now and we say, peace come. We say, joy come. We say, love come. A love encounter with you where you look them in the face and you say, yeah, I don't see that. That thing's gone. That shame is gone, right? Once we have that repentance, once we have whatever is needed, we gaze upon him and he looks back at you and he's going to say, yeah, the shame face is gone and it's never coming back. It's never coming back. Yeah, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I can't wait to hear the testimonies that'll come from that and just the people that are free from shame because I've lived there, I've lived under shame and it's a, it's a pain. <laughs> it's a pain. It's a lot of fun when you don't live under that. And so um, I got one more verse I'm going to read over you. Andrew, you can go ahead and come on up here. He's going to close us out. But this one is just one that I think is always good to read over ourselves, right? And, and other people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Come on, Andy. That's good. Thank you. Good job, bro. Yep. Um, God, that was good. That was just another flavor of that, that. That was good for me. Thank you, Andy. It was just really good to hear that. I love that story. And I don't know. You know how it is with the word. You can read it over and over and over again. You're always going to get something new out of it. As he was speaking, I was thinking about us as a body and just how that story unfolds. And most of you probably know it, but, you know, he says something about her that, you know, you don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right, but you've had five. Everybody knows this. And, and it gets to the end where she's or close to the end. She says, hey, runs into town, tells everybody about him. Come and see this. This might be the Messiah. They experience him at the well, same way she does. And then he stays in town for two days. And then at the end of that, all the townspeople say, we don't need to take your word for it anymore. We've experienced it ourselves. Church, this is my heart. I am not interested in us just hearing words. I, I need to, in my life, if I'm giving my life to this, I need people to experience that. I need people to experience that living water. I need people to experience Jesus as a person. There's a thing running around now about Christ consciousness stuff. He's a person! I, I don't look at my wife and say, I have a consciousness of my wife. I know her. I touch her. I can talk to her. It's the same way with Jesus, and I want that this morning. So if there's anybody in here who's wanting more, and we did this last week with the river. As a matter of fact, we still have it right there. I didn't even plan on doing that. Can we do it again? Yeah, sure, Andrew. Let's do it. Um, for those of you who weren't here, yes, we are weird. We don't try to be weird for the sake of being weird, but I want to get in on what God's doing, and this is something that happened to me 21 years ago. Last week was the first week I've ever tried to re reproduce it, and I didn't do it because I'm trying to reproduce 21 years ago. I just know there was something in it. So can we do that again? Let's get some people up here and hold this, and we don't have the water, but that's okay. We're going to hold this thing out. Anybody who's just saying, I got to get in. I want more. I want to know what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about this water where I don't thirst anymore. The satisfaction that comes from down inside because when you know who he is, it's easy to tap into wherever you are. Wherever, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? When you really know who Jesus is, you can be in the worst situation in your life. Pause for a moment, turn your gaze towards him and you find him right there and you get filled. It's a miraculous thing, wonderful thing. So we'll do it this way. Start over here and we'll just come through this way right here. And um, again, we're not 
putting hands on you and praying for you as you go through. I just really believe that God is honoring those who are saying, I want to get in on this thing. I want to get in on more, whatever it is. I'm going to walk through here. I want more. My gosh, I want more. So anybody who just wants to come be a part of that thing, just come through. I'm going to stand at the end. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.